I was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs seven days a week. It was it. It was me. It was JLD and nobody. So whether you liked me, you hated me, whatever it was, I was your only option in town. Like that was it. And that's why I was able to get early traction, momentum, and I haven't given it up for 11 years now. Welcome to the Lensetter Show, the show that blends the art of sales, the science of success, and the strategies of real experts in the mortgage and sales industries to help you grow your client base, increase your revenue, and get in control your life. I'm your host, Preston Schmidley. Kick back, enjoy the episode, and don't forget to subscribe. What's going on, friends? Welcome to this episode of The Lens Setter Show. I'm your host, Preston Schmidley, and today I am joined by a very special guest, John Lee Dumas. John, thank you for being on The Lens Setter Show today. I am fired up to be here, brother. We're going to have a great chat about some great topics. I agree. And for those that don't yet know, I want to give you um, some important details on why you should be listening to John, a.k.a. JLD. He will be referred to as that throughout the remainder of the show. Um, I, I want to give you some cliff notes about JLD and why he's important to listen to. First of all, he has an incredibly successful podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire. You can see his, his mic cover there. Um, it's a, an amazing podcast. He has over 4,000 episodes. He has over 150 million listens. Like, that's insane. And he's ranked number one on Apple Podcasts. Um, dude's a legend. And uh, I mean, that's a level of success most people um, don't uh, attain on their own. He's also the author of The Common Path to Uncommon Success. And, and we'll, we'll dive into some components of that as I've gone through it myself. Um, you know, and and uh, I mean, there's plenty of things that that talk about uh, or that lead to your success, uh, John. But um, um, you know, one of the things that uh, just just through my journey of getting to know you over the years uh, through content consumption and podcasts, your book, um, one thing that I just think is a kind of a cool starting point is what seems to be kind of maybe a prelude to or the catalyst itself to you on this entrepreneurial journey was um, from what I remember you were in ROTC in your senior year right before the 9-11 attack happened and uh, so you ended up becoming uh, a tank commander an officer um, one of the first officers that was deployed to Iraq uh, um, post 9-11 is that correct? Yeah, so we were actually the first class of commissioned officers post 9-11 because every year through ROTC, they commission the class in May. So we were the May of 2002 um, class that graduated. So we were the first round of, of cadets that became officers post 9-11. And, and you were leading four, four tanks and uh, 16 men, right? Were those yeah. Abrams? M1A1 Abrams, correct. Nice man. I uh, I happen to have uh, quite an extent. It's it's a weird, like very niche, like passion. But I have a really strong appreciation for especially World War II history, specifically tanks. Um, so I mean, we could talk tanks another time. I don't think we have time for that. But have you ever mad respect, bro? The YouTube show Operations Room. It is. I have not. So good. They do recreations of a lot of the big World War II battles and other battles as well. Uh, but they have a 10-episode series on Battle of the Bolt, which, of course, includes a lot of tanks, the Shermans and the Panzers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'll love it. It's it's really well done. Operations Room is the name of the channel. Sick. No, I, I'm very excited about that. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I think is a great starting point for this, because I want to speak to the people who might be struggling right now. Maybe they have a profession or a skill set that they're doing 
Um, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's worked for them in the past or they're on hard times, or maybe they're just kind of lost in trying to figure out financial freedom and fulfillment on their own terms. Um, you know, you started Entrepreneurs on Fire from what I remember as, uh, um, you were kind of like driving to work or something and you, one of the podcasts that you were listening to, you reached the end and that was it. And you were like, what do you mean? There's no podcast at seven days a week. And so you created the first seven day a week talking to entrepreneurs podcast that existed and probably I would imagine still exists or at least exists at the level that it does. Right. Talk to me about what led you to kind of make that transition and, and step into that. And I'd imagine it took a, a re- like an element of courage to be able to make that leap. Well, you know, first off, thanks for holding up the book, you know, The Common Path to Uncommon Success. That really is kind of the, you know, biography of the evolution of of how I got to where I am today. And it's a step-by-step process. And so that is why chapter one, you know, says, hey, come up with a big idea that is important. And that was my initial big idea driving to work that day was, hey, I love this podcast platform thing. Like, I'm going to start a podcast. Like, this would be cool. And then step number two in chapter two in that book is discover the niche within that big idea that is not being fulfilled. And when I kind of went to that step two mentally in my head, it clicked to your point when that episode ended. And I said, wait, this is a once a week show. It's Monday. It just the episode came out this morning. That means I have to wait seven more days for another episode to go live. When I just got so much inspiration and value from that episode, I need one of those hits every single day. Like, am I getting in shape hitting the gym once a week? No. Like, am I getting healthy, eating healthy once a week? No. It's all about putting in the reps. And so I'm like, I need to be putting the reps every single day. So I said, wow, well, I can search Apple Podcasts and the other you know platforms at the time and, and recognize there were no daily podcasts. There were no shows that were doing anything more than once a week. That seemed to be the maximum for a lot of reasons. There's a niche. There's an opportunity that I can fill a void that I can step into and be unique, be number one, be one of one. Meaning the day I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire, I was the best daily podcast in the world interviewing entrepreneurs. I was the worst daily podcast in the world interviewing entrepreneurs seven days a week. I was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs seven days a week. It was it. It was me. It was JLD and nobody. So whether you liked me, you hated me, whatever it was, I was your only option in town. Like that was it. And that's why I was able to get early traction, momentum, and I haven't given it up for 11 years now. Hmm. It reminds me of the uh, the old Henry Ford. You can have his, you can have whatever color you want as long as it's black. You, <laughs> you, you, were, you were it, man. That was uh, that you was the seven day. You're buying the black Model T. That's it, baby. You know, one of the questions that uh, as I was preparing for this episode, I wanted to ask is, I want you to imagine an alternative universe. I hope this doesn't happen to you, but um, you know, EO Fire implodes and you are forced to restart. You are forced to abandon what you have known up to this point and rebuild from the ground up. What what are some things that you think would be really meaningful and pivotal moves you would make or 
maybe changes, things you would do differently uh, uh, after doing this for 11 years? I would change everything because entrepreneurs on fire launching in 2023, 2024 and beyond does not work because it's a different world. I was very lucky with that when I launched in 2012, podcasts had just started to come into the consciousness of a decent amount of people. And I caught that upswing at the right time and I got enough momentum and a lead on the rest of my competition that I've just never relinquished it. Um, so if I had to start from scratch, it would be a completely different ballgame. I wouldn't launch a vague, broad podcast that just interviews entrepreneurs seven days a week. Just wouldn't work. But what I would do is go back to the basics. And that's where the common path to one common success comes in. I would say, let me go down the 17-step roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment because I want to get back there. I'm at step one. What is a big idea? Then I would go into step two. What is a niche within this big idea that I really, really think is an opportunity? And then number three, let's start talking about who my perfect avatar is, the listener, the consumer of my content, of my product, of my service, and get to know that individual. And just those first three steps would really set me up for the next three to six months of building that out. Maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a TikTok show, maybe it's just a YouTube channel, maybe it's any number of things. Maybe it's a physical product, you know, maybe it's a SaaS idea. Like I would go through that process and that's how I would completely wipe the slate clean and say, hey, if Entrepreneurs on Fire imploded and none of it existed, I would start completely from scratch with that mentality in mind. So that's interesting. So essentially what you're saying, or for what I'm hearing you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that if you had to reapproach your entire life and establish new footing in a new business, um, you actually wouldn't do the same method you did with Entrepreneurs on Fire. The reason you feel it works is because you have, you have such longstanding brand dominance or category dominance that it it continues to, the momentum of it keeps itself going um but you're saying that you feel that there's if somebody were to start from scratch better or easier ways to get started than how you did absolutely different times call for different measures for sure no i i mean i agree with that well what are what are some pieces of advice that you have to effectively set up a powerful podcast like and and i agree i mean your book honestly like it's um, it's from my opinion, it's kind of an ideal framework for somebody who's unclear, but knows they want to build something. Um, it's phenomenal. And, and you actually said in a recent episode of your podcast with, uh, uh, Jay, uh, Jay Klaus, I think it was, um, you had said some version of you felt that you wouldn't recommend writing a book, which I actually agree with the feedback in general. Uh, but one of your concerns with writing a book like this is that it has a shelf life. And I just wanted to let you know, this is my opinion, um, take what you want, leave what you don't. Um, after, as somebody who's gone through your book, um, well, yes, everything has a shelf life. Um, I think there's a lot of damn near timeless stuff in this, bro. I was that incredibly intentional to write that book in an evergreen format because I really have had that belief for a long time that when most books hit the shelf, they're already irrelevant because new things have come up because they're talking about the tactics that are working at that time, at that place, whatever that might be. Um, so knowing that, I said, well, what books are the timeless classics, like the Think and Grow Rich, you know, like all of those kind of great books that, you know, we kind of go through when we're first starting 
um, our entrepreneurial journey. And I, I created that book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, in that mindset. Let's keep this evergreen. These are the, the steps. This is the framework that will work in 2010, in 2020, in 2060. That was my intention. Yeah, no, I think you did a good job on that. Um, so, okay. I mean, obviously you'd follow this framework, but for those that are starting podcasts or, or seeing that as a viable option or a show, or, you know, like you said, whether it's a TikTok show or a YouTube channel, what are some of the, the biggest kind of takeaways or pieces of wisdom that you've acquired through your journey of doing this with Entrepreneurs on Fire that you feel would make a show more meaningful? So this is one thing that I, I do refer to in the book quite a bit. And if you were to say, John, you have to sum up the common path to uncommon success in one sentence. You only have one sentence to do it. I would say, listen, I can sum it up in one sentence. You like, if you want the value from the book, you must read the book. But if you want one sentence of an incredibly valuable summation, that would be, you need to become the number one solution to a real problem in this world. So to your question directly about podcasts, that's the main problem right now is that people who launch podcasts and don't succeed cannot definitively say they are and they are solving that problem. They are the number one solution to a real problem. They cannot say that they are that because they're not that. And because of that, people will beat a path to the number one solution to a real problem that they have. They will find you because people will recommend you. People will refer you. They'll become your evangelist. People will seek you out. They will find the number one solution to a real problem in the world because that's what we want. Like if I have a brain aneurysm, I am going to find the best brain surgeon in the world and see if I can possibly get under his knife on an operating table. Like, like I don't want that to happen, but... If it does happen, that's who I want. I will find that person. So I really just want people to understand and want people to know that if you're going to start a podcast, if you're going to start a platform, if you're going to create a product or a service, whatever it is you're going to do in this world, you have to discover the niche. That's what we talked about in chapter two. Discover the niche that's currently not serving or being served in the marketplace or is just being served poorly in the marketplace and they say, you know what? I can come in day one and become the number one solution to that real problem because the solution doesn't exist or it exists very poorly and I can just dominate the competition early on. That's why a lot of people in the physical product world have had a lot of success going to different products in Amazon, reading the one, two, and three-star reviews and saying, wow, this is what people are complaining about with this product right here. If I can create a product that solves all the problems that the product solves that people bought it for, but then also solves all the things that are complaining about that it doesn't solve. So I'm creating the best solution to a real problem. I'm going to win. And that's how people win in the physical product space at a great level. And same thing goes in the SaaS space. Same thing goes in the service space. Same thing goes in the content creation space. So if you're going to create a podcast, it better become the number one solution to a real problem, not just any problem, because some people don't really care enough about that problem to make it worthwhile, but a real problem in this world. So when when you were at the beginning of this, did you 
did you, I, I know that you created this because you felt like there was a kind of a void in the podcast world, but um, I'm curious if you asked yourself kind of this question or a similar question and what, what your answer was at the time. So back in 2012, when I was coming up with a concept of entrepreneurs on fire, I was a pretty naive and rookie entrepreneur. I got lucky on a lot of decisions that I made. I made a lot of mistakes that kind of just went unnoticed or, you know, forgotten just because, you know, not that many people were paying attention and there just wasn't that much competition. I just did what I thought I needed to do to get a daily podcast out there to the world. And it went against what my direct coach, Jamie Masters, told me, who was a successful business podcast host of a great podcast. She told me, do not do a daily podcast. I hired and joined the mastermind of the podcast answer man himself, Cliff Ravenscraft, a 10-person mastermind at over $3,500 for the year, which was a huge investment for me. And he said, do not do a daily podcast. And I just knew that all the information they were giving me was great information, except one little voice in my mind said, John, if two of the top people in the podcasting space are telling you that something can't be done or shouldn't be done and you can find out a way to do it, that's a huge opportunity. And so that's where I kept pushing forward and implemented 99% of their amazing advice, ignored the 1% that I knew was going to be the difference maker. That's kind of legit. So, so you ran, you essentially ran the four minute mile in the podcast arena. What was the foundation for their advice? I mean, I'm sure it was rooted in love, right? But was the was the it was you're not going to find enough yes for the show. Your listeners are going to get burned out. You're going to get burned out. You're never going to find an audience that wants that type of content. All of those things. They had a lot of reasons as to why it couldn't be done. Just like there was a lot of reasons why, you know, Roger Bannister was not going to be able to run a four minute mile. There was a lot of reasons until there wasn't. Right, right, right. No, dude, that's, that is, you know, wow. Um, I love it. You know, one thing I want to talk about too, and this might be a little different than most uh, uh, questions that you, when you're on a show, but, um, you know, one of the things I have a lot of respect for, and it's kind of, it's weird, it's weirdly transparent, but I like it, <laughs> is your monthly income reports. Listen, here's what? the deal. I come from a really traditional background. I went to college on an army scholarship. I was an officer in the US Army for eight years. I went to law school. I worked in corporate finance. To me, especially back in 2010, 11, and 12, like people making money online were potentially slick oil salesmen. Like I didn't know if what they were saying was true. You, anybody could put anything they wanted to online, and they still can to this day. And we see it happening all the time. And so I just said to myself, if I ever actually start making money in the online space, I'm going to open up the kimono and I'm going to show people exactly what I make, how I make it, my expenses, my costs, my team. I'm going to bring my accountant on to verify the information and to give a tax tip. I'm going to bring my lawyer on to share a legal tip. I'm just going to make it a really consistent monthly um, opportunity for people to consume what my business is doing to see what's working. So maybe they can, you know, copy the success and emulate the success we're having and they can see what's not working because we share our failures as well and they can avoid those failures. And that's 
been the case for now 121 income reports slash months in a row. It, it's actually, it's it's kind of wild how comprehensive it is. It, it honestly looks like you just set up an integration with QuickBooks. And uh, I mean, like you're, you're so detailed, like you even put you know, one-time annual subscription type stuff. And I was just like, what? Yeah. Well, Kate, Kate puts hours into that income report every month. It's one of her very serious tasks that she has. That's amazing, bro. That's amazing. Um, I love it. So, okay. So podcasts are not. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I wanted to ask you is for the the entrepreneur who's at the... Uh, you know, front, the front end of this journey. I mean, obviously, you know, what's the big idea? Find your niche, you know, find mentors, find a mastermind, like, and and that's amazing advice from your book. Um, what are some kind of maybe intangible stuff that you would recommend, a kind of inner game stuff or like what what were some of the the evolutions you went through or the pieces of wisdom you wish you could go back and give yourself at the beginning of this journey? Morning routine, like just a absolute non-negotiable morning routine where you are getting outside, you're taking in the morning sun, you're moving, you're breathing, you're stretching, um, you're you know meditating, whatever meditating means for you. For me, it doesn't mean sitting with my eyes closed. It means walking and breathing. Like to me, that's meditation. Like just absolutely having that intangible to start the day because otherwise... So many entrepreneurs, myself included, will be like, okay, like I'm going to get up and get right after it in the morning. And then, you know, like I'll fit in, you know, like some exercise or some relaxing time or some outdoor time, you know, later in the day. And then that just never happens. They never get, they never get around to it. And they find that, you know, they're not sleeping well, that they're gaining weight, that they're lacking energy and focus and all these different things that come along with not doing the things that I just mentioned, getting up going outside, getting actual real sun, vitamin D. That's why I love Puerto Rico. I'm outdoors walking four miles every morning. I'm outdoors walking four miles every evening. Um, You know, I have a weight trainer that I, you know, zoom into my gym three days a week. I have red light therapy. I have an infrared sauna. I have a cold plunge. Um, You know, I am eating incredibly healthy. I definitely have cheat meals because I love to enjoy life as well, but I eat incredibly healthy most of the time. And that's why I'm 43 years old and look great, feel great, energized, like still doing a daily podcast without, you know, really any difficulty because I'm doing the intangibles every single day to make that happen. A lot of people think it's just about putting in the work. It's about being able and around to continue to consistently do the work, not just a sprint for three months, but here I am 11 years later, 4,164 episodes later. That's why I'm still winning. That's why I'm still making multiple millions of dollars a year, not paying tax because I'm in Puerto Rico, or I should say to be more specific, paying 4% total tax being down here in Puerto Rico um, because I continue to do those things I just mentioned. You're you're not not paying taxes. You're paying the appropriate amount of taxes for your situation. I how I've learned to phrase that. <laughs> I'm paying exactly the amount of taxes that I'm legally obligated to pay. Not a penny more, and definitely not a penny less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for your contribution to the taxes. That's great. Um, what uh, what do you see as 
kind of, uh, I mean, and, and you obviously have a great thing going. So even if the answer was maintain the same and keep doing it and kicking ass, that's a, that's a plenty good answer. But I'm kind of curious, like what, what do you feel is uh, next few years look like for you as far as, as, you know, entrepreneurs on fire, as far as, you know, your personal. You know, that we building. talked about pre-chat, I'll, I'll talk about publicly now is in probably potentially by the time this is aired, but, you know, 11-11, uh, November 11th, I am welcoming uh, my first child, my son, into this world. Right. And that's going to be, you know, my focus for the next few years, of course. Entrepreneurs on Fire will have some of my bandwidth, um, and my focus on health and wellness will have some of my bandwidth, and my focus on my relationship with Kate will have some of my bandwidth, but a huge focus of mine is going to be my son and any potential other children that follow, um, if any, and I'm, I'm excited for that chapter. It's going to become a JL daddy. Dude, you know, I... I uh, um... Just as as we're wrapping up here, I, I just want to, you know, I, I have a massive amount of respect for what you've built. Uh, and I, I don't just mean the podcast, although that's a foundation element to, to what you have. Um, just as, you know, the entrepreneur in me salutes the entrepreneur in you in the sense of the formula of your life. You know, it's it's easy to get caught into this like, you know, four hour work week and mad, mad love to Tim Ferriss. But it's, it's also easy to kind of... Um, overcomplicate or oversimplify those kind of things and disregard your own health, disregard your own time uh, and, and how you prioritize that. Um, I, I love the fact that you do what you do in, an, in a hyper-efficient manner, that you have outpaced and outran so many other people and you've managed to maintain your sanity, your time with people you love, the, the time with yourself. Um, you know, you you had a I... reason for that. The reason okay. for that is because I have understood and accepted one word that most type A high performing entrepreneurs never understand or accept. And that word is enough. I have truly found my version of enough and I could absolutely work harder and make more. But to what end? And I've really identified for me what that enough is. And I'm thrilled with it. Well, it sounds like it, it kind of goes back to what is the number one problem you're solving, right? And uh, it's like having, and I guess the summation of that is having end in mind, knowing what's the target, where are we headed, like actually knowing that. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that you've you've kind of nailed that on the head over the years. So, well, John, I, I super appreciate this time with you today on the Lensetter Show. I think that this has been really meaningful. Um, I'm going to advocate that everybody who watches or listens to our show go on Amazon, pick up a copy of The Common Path to Uncommon Success by JLD. It's a phenomenal read. If you've ever wanted to figure out how to build something new, to to, to take your skills and knowledge to the internet and and you know start to monetize it and get financial freedom fulfillment, it's a it really is a phenomenal read. It's going to be a phenomenal read for years and years to come. Um, John, for for those that may want to learn more about you, uh, where would you like them to go? What would be the most the the best place for them to get more info? EOFire.com is our headquarters. That's where all the magic happens. And of course the podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, is wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs> I love it. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Adios, brother. Take care.